It was over a year ago that uh, Reverend Alex Awad uh, shared with the faculty of Bethlehem Bible College his dream about this conference. And in fact, this conference has been in our minds. We always talked about it, but it was really uh, Reverend Alex Awad's assistant, uh, insistence last year, uh, and he pushed us to do it. And uh, now, a year later, it is uh, a, a reality. So he is really to thank for uh, when it comes to this conference. And uh, we couldn't think of a better uh, speaker to a conference first. Uh, Reverend Alex Awad is uh, the pastor of East Jerusalem Baptist Church. Uh, he and his wife Brenda have been missionaries with the General Board of Global Ministries of uh, the United Methodist Church since 1989. Right now he is the Dean of Students at Bethlehem Bible College and he is also the Director of the Shepherd uh, Society, the Humanitarian Aid Branch of the Bible College. And uh, he has previously been the President of the Council of the Local Evangelical Churches uh, in the Holy Land. He's a mentor, uh, a good friend. His second book, uh, Palestinian Memories, the story of a Palestinian mother and her people, uh, came out last year. It is a must read. Uh, if you are looking for an introduction to the Palestinian uh, situation, uh, to Christian Palestinians, to the story of Christian Palestinians, and even to the story of Bethlehem Bible College, uh, this is the book. It's a mix of theology, uh, history and personal encounter and above all it's a story of faith of, of a mother who raised her children in the best way and uh, now we have uh, Dr. Alex with us to speak his first talk is Christian Palestinian Christianity in the shadow of Christian Zionism let's give him a hand Thank you so much. You know, we can dream about having conferences and we can have visions about having conferences, but if you don't come, we can't have a conference. <laughs> so thank you. You really make the conference. When I look at you uh, coming from all over the world, you know, and uh, also Palestinians here from Bethlehem and from the Galilee area, you make the conference. The dream that we had a year ago is, I believe, a success because of you. Perhaps because of your love for God. Maybe it is because of your love for the Palestinian people. Perhaps it is because your love for peace and justice. Perhaps also it is because of your love for Bethlehem Bible College. How many of you have visited Bethlehem Bible College before? All right, all right, look at that. Well, let's give them a hand. All right. Okay. But I think possibly all of these reasons, your love for God, your love for peace, your love for justice, your, your love for, uh, you know, what God is doing in this country is really what brought you to this conference. And I am so thankful, so thankful to you for coming. I'm also pleased because um, 
I'm speaking to friends. You know, when I look at your faces, I can see and feel your support. And uh, as if you are saying, yes, thank you for having this conference. We are with you. And this is the spirit I love so much. So thank you so much uh, for coming and thank you for that spirit of uh, support. Thank you for your prayers. I know some people have been praying for this conference. And uh, we, we will see through the conference the anointing of the Holy Spirit on the speakers. And th we are so thankful for all of this. Well, my theme, as you know, uh, Christians in the shadow of, or Palestinian Christians in the shadow of Christian Zionism. I like to tell stories. Those of you who read the Palestinian memories, you know that I love to tell stories. So I will be telling you some stories in, uh, uh, tonight. So if you love stories, just uh, relax and uh, I will uh, be sharing some stories that happened actually to me and some stories that happened to other Palestinian people. Why we are telling the stories? Because we want the reality of what it is to be an evangelical Palestinian under the shadow of Christian Zionism. Well, before I go much further, I want to give you three um, ideas why this conference is so important and why Bethlehem Bible College conducts a conference like this. One thing that just happened recently, you know, John Hagee, a well-known evangelical leader from the United States, from the state of Texas, said recently, and I'm quoting him word by word, he said, listen to this, he said, the United States must join Israel in a preemptive military strike against Iran to fulfill God's plan for both Israel and the West. He continues, a biblically prophesied end-time confrontation with Iran will lead to the rapture, tribulation, and the second coming of Christ. These are the words of John Hagee. What he wants, <laughs> he wants to bring, you know, the second coming of Jesus Christ by a confrontation between Israel, the uh, United States, and, the, uh, and Iran. God forbid. But the, this is what we are confronting. People with this kind of mentality who are using God's word in order to bring violence on earth. Another little story I want to share with you. Uh, one time, the Council of Local Evangelical Church, the churches in the Holy Land, you met some of the pastors. We met together um, at a hotel here in Bethlehem, and we were celebrating one of uh, our occasions. When an American lady, and this could be any lady, it doesn't have to be an American, she could be British, German, Swedish, whatever. But anyway, actually she was an American lady. She came to one of the pastors and she said, I have a word from God and I want to address the people. 
the pastor, being very polite, went to the MC and he told him, you know, there is this lady, she, she, she has a word from God and she wants to address the people. She wants to say something. The MC also being a Palestinian, very kind to Americans, he said, why not? And so the woman stood behind the microphone and actually she looked at the people and she said, God gave me a word for you. I want you to get all your belongings, put them in suitcases, put them on vans or trucks or cargoes or whatever, and go out of this country. Go to Jordan, go to Saudi Arabia, go to Iraq, go to whatever. God has given this land to his chosen people. You have no place here. Immediately one of the pastors went into the, uh, behind the pulpit and he whisked her out after she already had poisoned so many years. This is what we are talking about, Christian Zionism. My third little story is going to be now in video, and uh, please watch. Something that happened to Reverend Nihad Salman. You know, if it doesn't work, Reverend Nihad is with us. And he can do it live. Come on, come on, come on, Reverend Nihad. It's okay. It's okay. You know, I, I was scared to have Nihad come up because he's a preacher. <laughs> but Nihad, you, you can come and. Yeah, yeah, just, just yeah, let, let's do it live. All right. He made sure that I will be on the, <laughs> so I don't take, take too much time. But uh, anyway, really uh, what happened with us is, is um, in uh, year 2002, I was living in, uh, in, in Bejala, uh, across of uh, an Israeli uh, camp, army camp. And in that time, uh, there was lots of shooting between the Palestinians and the Israelis in our area. And uh, for several uh, months we were uh, sleeping on the floor because bullets were flying all around us, even through the house. And we had even uh, sandbags on the windows and the doors and so on. But uh, in particular, in one day what happened with us, <coughs> Uh, one time my little girl, at that time she was five years old, she, uh, she was playing behind the door, uh, behind the house, and as she was playing, uh, the, uh, during the day, the shooting started. And you know, bullets sound so loud and so on. So she was very afraid, she started screaming. And as she was screaming, and, and, and you know, I was in the house with her mother, and. I, so we tried to come out to get her inside the house, but the problems, the bullets were so close to the door, I couldn't get out. So I tried and tried, but then after 10 minutes, she, she would go crazy because she was like <laughs> screaming so loud and afraid and, and, and I was afraid on her. So I went on my, uh, I mean, uh, uh, cr crawling on my hands and belly and went behind the house and grabbed her in my hands and she was shivering. I mean, from, from fear. We stayed there for almost 45 minutes till the shooting started uh, behind the house all the time. She was in my hands. Uh, 
And uh, that incident on my daughter took 10 months uh, at least that she wouldn't sleep one night without my hands around her. Uh, she wouldn't go even to the, sorry, the, to the toilet without someone with her. She wouldn't go out of the house without any, either myself or Salwa, my, my wife, with her. She, was, she, she lived in a nightmare and she, she made us also live in that and, and, and we were very afraid on her, but thank the Lord now she's, uh, she's well. But what happened in that evening, as we came back in the house, and that was a very difficult night for us because shooting continued on late night. And really, as we were sitting there, I, I wanted to change the atmosphere, so I opened the television. And you know, you, see, you go to uh, Christian TV, you know, to try to hear some songs or someone, you know, something comforting in these difficult times. So we were in the corner on the house and opening the, the TV and, you know, watching. And at that point, there was one of these TV evangelists. And he was speaking. And as he was talking in that program, it really, uh, what he, he said was very, very upsetting for me and my wife. And he called on his son as way they were co-hosting co the, the, the program. He called on his son and says, what's happening in uh, Jerusalem? And he says, yeah, now I have on the phone one of the, uh, the uh, captain, uh, uh, army soldier captain from Gilo. And we would like to talk to him. And Gilo is opposite where I live and where all the shooting comes from, <laughs> sometimes to Bejala. And he, is, he said, now we want to talk live with Captain so-and-so. And, you know, how are you doing over there? Yes, the Lord, we are uh, trying to keep safe. And, you know, all these talks within the, on the phone. And then, then and, you know, I was strike, you know, a Christian program, a TV, very famous TV evangelist, talking to an army soldier, at the same time, this army soldier is shooting at me and scaring and terrifying my daughter. And then at the end he says, we are praying for you, we are behind you, and God bless you in what you are doing. Keep uh, uh, fortifying, keep uh, safe Israel, and keep uh, defending uh, God's people. God bless you, and we are going to, uh, to make sure that you are uh, 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 prayed for. And then they closed the, and they continued the conversation, how they want to continue pray for those armed soldiers as they are defending Israel, God's people. And at that night, I looked at my wife and said, what is he talking about? Here's a pastor. I'm not even involved in politics. I don't know what's going on. I only know one message, peace. And I still preach it. <laughs> and here I opened the the TV expecting to be comforted from my brother, confronted from this TV uh, Christian evangelist. And here he's speaking blessing on someone who's terrifying my own family. I said, what does he know? 
What is he talking about? What kind of gospel is he speaking about? Put off the TV. I was very, very upset. And I didn't even want my children to hear what he has to say anymore. And, you know, so this is, you, you, you turn to your brothers and sisters expecting to be comforted, to be blessed, to be prayed for. And what do you find? They are blessing the ones who are terrifying you. So what really, what, what, what's going on here? As you have seen these three stories, you know, John Hagee with his statement, this American woman, you know, uh, telling the Palestinians to get out of the country, and this evangelical pastor, you know, a blessing an army who is shooting against another uh, people and actually uh, killing uh, other people. So, so what, what's going on? You know, th this is really why is this conference? This is the reason we want to open up, open up, uh, think about it, pray fully, you know, try to understand what does the Bible say about these things? And uh, uh, what is this thing called Christian Zionism? Let me give you a definition because some of us here Maybe this is the first time they hear uh, the, the term Christian Zionism. Um, this is something that I made, so if, you, if there are mistakes, it can be corrected. But this is what I wrote. Christian Zionism is a movement within the church that supported and continues to shore up political, economic, military assistance to the state of Israel on the basis of the belief that the current state of Israel is fulfillment is a fulfillment of biblical prophecy. Christian Zionists also believe that by supporting the state of Israel, they curry favor with God and they speed up the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, this is the definition, but I need to clarify. While you find most Christian Zionists um, among evangelicals and in evangelical chur uh, churches, yet Christian Zionism spread her tentacles through various media outlets to many Christians in the U.S. and elsewhere in the world, even among denominations that do not classify themselves as evangelicals. I want to also clarify that while many Christians hold to aspects of Christian Zionism, most evangelical Christians would not wish to be labeled a Christian Zionist. And if one would ask them the question, are you a Christian Zionist? They, would, they wouldn't know what one is talking about. So they, they have the teachings in their mind and in their heart, but they don't know the label Christian uh, Zionist. Now, Christian Zionism came to existence through the influence of a theological school called dispensationalism. 
and it has spread among Western Christians via public publications and religious media networks. Now, I have to explain another terminology, dispensationalism, big words. All right, a dispensationalist believes that God divided history into dispensations, means periods of time or periods of history, and that the Jewish people will be gathered in the Holy Land during the last dispensation or during the last period of time. Dispensationalism has been and continues to be the theological vehicle that leads many Christians into the bosom of Zionism. You see, once you have the theology, it is very easy to gradually get to the politics. Bad theology, in my opinion, creates bad politics. Good theology creates good politics. We have with us in this conference capable theologians who will be addressing the teachings of dispensationalism, both pro and con, in greater details. So I'm not going to go through the theology of dispensationalism, premillennialism, and all of that. What I want to do is really tell you stories of my life as a Palestinian Christian, Christian and my encounter with uh, Zionism. My first experience was when I was a student at a Bible college in Switzerland. I attended my denominational Bible college, my denomination's Bible college in Switzerland. And, you know, we were taught dispensationalism. We were taught that God has given all the land of Palestine, and even more than the land of Palestine, to the uh, Jewish people. And my Bible college supported, you know, uh, these ideas. Now, for me, um, as long as they were theories that we studied in the classroom, it didn't really matter. But immediately after 1967, you know, I noticed that many of the students and many of the faculty at that Bible college were jubilant about the results of the war. They were really excited when they were discussing the war. You know, they were really very happy. And here, myself and another student from Syria, an Arab student from Syria, we were, you know, worried about our families, worried about our country, uh, worried about the consequences of the war, and our, all of our friends were so jubilant and so happy. That really, caused us a crisis, at least it caused, caused me a crisis. And I started asking myself questions. One of the questions, did God really give my country to the Jewish people? I wanted to know because my professors and all of my, all my colleagues were saying this. And only the two of us, Palestinian and Syrian, we were you know, not sure, we didn't know the theology yet. Another question, were the wars of 1948 and 1967 acts of God? Did God actually intervene on behalf of the Zionists? Is God also excited over the devastation inflicted on Palestinians and Arabs, both Muslims and Christians? We were asking ourselves the question, 
are modern secular Jews and Zionists who created the state of Israel, are they truly God's chosen people? Are my friend and I and our people on the wrong side of prophecy? Are we wrong to be indignant while all of our students and teachers, all the students and the teachers were jubilant? Is the Bible the book that I love so much, the book that revealed God's love for me through Jesus Christ, and the book that I came to that Bible college to study, is that book behind the suffering and the humiliation of my people? You know, all of these were conflicting ideas in my heart and in my mind. But the good thing about it, as all of these ideas were creeping in my mind and my heart, I decided to really study the Bible for myself. I wanted answers for these questions myself. I didn't want a teacher or a student to tell me answers because it wasn't just a matter of speculation to me. It was a matter of life and death for me and for my people. And so I, I went diligently to my Bible and I studied the Bible very, very carefully. And, uh, well, you know, it, it was wonderful. I started discovering things that I was not being taught in the class. You know, wonderful things. You know, uh, the more I studied the Bible, both the Old Testament and the New Testament, the more I realized that these concepts and assumptions advocated so strongly by hardline dispensationalists and Christian Zionists are just theories of interpretation that belong to an older covenant, Ahd Qadim, and can't withstand the wind of genuine biblical exegesis. My studies cause me to doubt dispensationalism and yet to have greater faith and love for the Bible and the God of the Bible. My next stop was, after I graduated from my college in Switzerland, I went to my denominational college in um, Lee College in Cleveland, Tennessee. You know, because of the occupation of the West Bank, um, I was not able to go back home. And so by an act of divine providence, God provided a scholarship for me, and I went to Lee College. When I went to the United States, I was so surprised at how dispensationalism and Christian Zionism was spread. One day um, at college, uh, the college invited the international students to share something uh, about Christmas in their country. So every international student had to stand in front of the auditorium, a thousand people in the auditorium, and to share about Christmas in his or her country. Well, when my turn came and I started sharing, everybody wanted to listen because I'm coming from Bethlehem. Everybody wanted to hear about Christmas in Bethlehem. And so they start listening. I start sharing what we do uh, in Bethlehem uh, on Christmas Eve, how the patriarchs come with great celebration into Bethlehem, how the Boy Scouts and everybody comes to welcome them. I talk about the midnight mass at the Church of Nativity 
Then I talk about the next day on Christmas Day, how the families, the Palestinian Arab families of Bethlehem, how they go and start celebrating Christmas by, uh, you know, uh, visiting each other and uh, offering hospitality and so on. Then, you know, naturally I went about the current reality. And I said most of the people in Bethlehem are under military occupation. Please pray for the people of Bethlehem. Pray for the uh, Christians and the Muslims in Bethlehem. They are under uh, military occupation. Pray for an end of the occupation. Pray for peace in Bethlehem. And as soon as I finished the sentence, there was a stirring in the auditorium. And then I heard a big boo. The people did not like what I was saying, especially when I said, pray for the end of the occupation of Bethlehem. People did not like that. Well, that great boo told me that definitely the student body did not like what I was saying. And at that day, I became the least popular person on that campus. But I could have really spoken at any evangelical Christian college campus in the United States at that time, and most likely I would have had the same reaction. After college, I went to seminary first in Missouri, Kansas City, Missouri, and um, you know, one day the students were invited to watch a film, a film called Apples of Gold. And the film celebrated the fulfillment of prophecy. Well, you know, I went with the other students to see what's going on. And uh, as the film started, they showed some Arabs, Bedouins, on camels. And they were, you know, just, you know, marching on. And the narrator said, it is so unfortunate that these Bedouins have to leave their territory in order for God's chosen people to return back to their home, to capture the land, and turn this desert into a garden of Eden. Wow, I heard this and I couldn't take it anymore. I sneaked out from my seat. I went to where the pastor was sitting in front, and I said, Pastor, I am from Jerusalem. I didn't tell him I'm a Palestinian. I said, Pastor, I'm from Jerusalem, and I would like to share something with uh, your people. And he was kind enough, and he said, you go ahead. So, so I, I told the people, I said, I am a Palestinian Christian from Jerusalem, and I am very insulted. Because this film showed Palestinians, whether they are Muslims or Christians, are just as nomads. And I said, we have roots, we had roots in the Holy Land that go back at least 6,000 years. Some of us have been in the Holy Land since the day of Pentecost. And here, this film depicted us only as Bedouins on caravans. You know, when I left that church, I thought, you know, how many times this film would have been shown in churches and schools in the United States with no one to stand up to challenge its false allegations. While in Kansas City, I also went to visit a church and uh, there was something like a revival meeting and I always wanted to go to hear a revival meeting. I still do, you know? 
And uh, there was a guest speaker at that church, and he started to, to glorify the idea that Israel is back in its land. Well, I heard this before, and it wasn't new to me. But then he said, the beast of the book of Revelation is Jamal Abdel Nasser, the president of Egypt. And I said, wow, how can, how can he say Jamal Abdel Nasser is the beast of the book of Revelation? So immediately after the service, I went to him again. And I said, Pastor, I really don't agree with you. You know, I am from the Middle East. You know, Jamal Abdel Nasser, I have nothing to do with the beast in the book of Revelation. Oh, the pastor was so, uh, so, you know, taken by surprise. And he said, I am so sorry, so sorry, so sorry. I thought he was so sorry because I convinced him he was wrong. No, it wasn't because, you know, I convinced him he was wrong. He said, I didn't know there is an Arab in this service. <laughs> so he, he, he just apologized because he felt like he offended me. Well, certainly I was offended. And any Arab whether Muslim or Christian would have been in the United States or other places in the world and heard such things, he will certainly be offended. Well, that was all in the United States. I want to give you some examples I have in other parts of the world. I told you I'm going to tell you stories. And <laughs> they are in a way sad stories. I mean, we may laugh at some aspects of them, but this is the reality of what we face as Palestinian Arab Christians every time we go to evangelical churches in the West. In Brazil, I was invited with a Messianic Jewish brother uh, to go to Brazil uh, to prepare for the, the, uh, the choir of the Bible College to sing in Brazil the, the year after. And we, we were given a lot of welcome and so on. It was wonderful. But when I went to the auditorium, wow, I was shocked. There were big round posters all over the auditorium with the Star of David. And then in front of the podium, right here in the center, there was a big menorah candlestick, you know, Jewish candlestick. And then before the start of the uh, uh, of the procession where I was supposed to be speaking, you know, they had the Ark of the Covenant, and it was, uh, you know, gold and painted gold, and, and men dressed like Jewish uh, high priests or Jewish priests, they, they carried the Ark of the Covenant into the aisle, and then uh, the ladies had palm branches in their arms, they were waving them and singing hosannas, and they paraded through uh, from the back into the podium. Whew. I was supposed to talk about this, or to talk after this. That was really, you know, it, it wasn't really a good introduction for me, so I quickly ran to the pastor, and I said, Jonathan, his name, I said, Jonathan, I thought I'm coming to a Christian meeting and everything around me tells me that I am in a Jewish celebration. Well, Jonathan was very, very humble and he said, Alex, you are here to teach us what to do. Please, tell us, teach us. Wow, I was really impressed. And I said, okay, Jonathan, the first thing I want all of these posters removed. <laughs> Stop the parade of the Ark of the Covenant. 
and maybe you can put the menorah somewhere in the back. And if there is a cross, there was no Christian symbols at all. If there is a cross, put a cross somewhere in front. And you know what? He listened. And I stayed because I was really determined I'm going to leave if he didn't do what I asked him to do. This is what we faced. This was in Brazil, in Canada. All right, World Vision. Steve, I'm going to step on your toes now. No. World Vision Jerusalem asked me to go to Canada. To, to speak at a big meeting called Mission Fest. Mission Fest have about 25,000 uh, evangelicals. They gather in Canada to, to have a big evangelical festival. And Mission Fest invited the director of the Christian Embassy in Jerusalem, some of you may know him, Malcolm Hedding, to be uh, you know, one of the main guest speakers. So World Vision decided, why don't we do some balance? So they asked me to go and present a, a little bit of a Palestinian point of view, just to balance things. I accepted the invitation and I went to Canada. But two days before I was about to speak, World Vision Canada called me, one person called me, and he said, Alex, would you consider disinviting yourself? You know, don't invite yourself. You know, I mean, just, just quit. Don't come. And I said, what's the matter? I thought you wanted me to speak. He said, we, World Vision, we want you to speak. The problem is, one of the main sponsors of this conference, he threatened that he and his people will pull out if I would speak. So I said, all right, I'm already in Canada. I will attend the conference, but I will not speak. I accepted. My brother Mubarak thought of uh, picketing in France, but I didn't want to picket in front of, <laughs> of an evangelical conference, so I, I vetoed that. Yeah. Uh, this is sad because the people in, the, in that conference heard one perspective and you can figure out which one, yeah. Okay, that was in Canada. Now, <laughs> you want another story? Okay. <laughs> well, uh, the Bible College of New Zealand, uh, today is called Laidlord College, invited Brenda and I to spend the sabbatical five months in New Zealand. And the Bible College of New Zealand and Tier Fund New Zealand, they planned a big program, speaking engagements for us throughout all of New Zealand. It was a wonderful time. And of course, wherever we went, we spoke our message. And then sooner or later, Christian Zionists started, you know, being angry. And they went to the president of the Bible College, the president of Tear Fund New Zealand said, these people should not be allowed to talk. And if they continue to talk, we will not support the Bible College. We will not support Tear Fund New Zealand. But thank goodness for the president of uh, the Bible College of New Zealand. He said, this guy is going to speak regardless of what you are doing. And Tear Fund New Zealand, the president, some of you may know him, Steve uh, Tolstrup, 
He said, Alex, continue to talk, no matter what you say. We are not going to stop. We are willing to not to receive their uh, support. But before we left the New Zealand, there was a circular about us. And they, they called me wolf in sheep clothing. Now, why is all of this? What's going on? What's the message that we spoke that outraged them so much? Here is a summary of what I teach, or what we teach, really, what Bethlehem Bible College teaches, you know. We say, we teach, we stand for that we are all God's children through faith in Jesus Christ, whether we are Jews or non-Jews. We are equally loved and favored by God because of the cross of Jesus Christ. That is all of us, all of us, regardless of our race, regardless of our color, regardless of our you know, identity. We are all God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. And thank God to that. Thank God that we are all uh, God's chosen. We are all God's people. The second thing we teach is that the kingdom of God, as Jesus has taught us, is, not, is, is no more limited to a specific geographical boundaries. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, whatever you may call it, you know. The, the kingdom of God is in our hearts and is in our mind. I love this country. I love whatever you call this country, I love it. I love the fact that God chose this country, that Jesus Christ was born in Bethlehem, that the church was born in uh, Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost. I think of this country as a fifth gospel, a gospel that you know, directs us to the love of God through, uh, through this land and through this country. But this country is not for us to fight, to shed blood, because we want some geography. We want some real estate. You know, God is not interested in geography. God is interested in the conditions, condition of our heart. And then also I taught the body of Christ is called to engage in peacemaking. Everywhere I went, I was saying we need to make peace. Peace is the only guarantee of the Christian presence in the Holy Land. And unless we have peace in 10, 15 years, there is no future for Christianity in this country. My message was also a peace, and not only peace for the Palestinians. You cannot make peace only for the Palestinians or only peace for the Israelis. It's peace for both Israelis and Palestinians. I'm not anti-Jewish. And I never called for the destruction of the state of Israel. I assure you, I do not advocate replacement theology, meaning that God has rejected the Jewish people and replaced them with the church. I espouse, I believe in, a theology of inclusion. The Apostle Paul introduced this theology of inclusion 2,000 years ago when he said to the Galatian church, you are all sons and daughters of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you, Paul said, 
for all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all, all of us, hallelujah, we are all one in Christ Jesus, for you belong to Christ. If you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed. Wow. And heirs according to the promise. This is Galatians 3, 26 to 29. The apostle uh, John echoed the same uh, sentiment when he wrote in the Gospel of John. He came, talking about Jesus, he came to that which was his own. But his own did not receive him. Yet to all, I love this word in the New Testament, all, to all who received him, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become children of God. Children not born of natural descent, nor of human decisions or husband's will, but born of God. We read these so many times. From time to time, we need to think of them, ponder on them and take them into heart. We are all God's children through faith in Jesus Christ. Well, I shared with you some of my uh, personal testimonies, some of my experiences as a Palestinian Christian in many places uh, in the world. But what I like to say to all of you, it is not really only a matter of emotion. You know, how we Arabs, how we Christians, how we Palestinians here feel. It is much more than emotion. It takes, it will take years of research to calculate the harmful effects of Christian Zionism on Palestinian, on Palestinian Christianity, on the Palestinian people as a whole, on the Arab people throughout the Middle East, both Muslims and Christians. It will take really decades of research to try to find out all the effect of Christian Zionism. I will illustrate the uncritical support of Christian Zionist leaders for the most radical Israeli positions. You see, Christian Zionism doesn't take half, you know, the middle way. When you argue with a Christian Zionist, he or she gets the most radical positions, positions even most Israelis will not accept, okay? The uncritical support of Christian Zionist leaders for most radical Israeli positions, all right, that is one. The second one, Christian Zionist leaders stood firmly with Israel during every war against Palestinians and Arabs. They saw modern Israel as the new Joshua, liberating the promised land in preparation for the second coming of Christ. So whenever there is a friction between Israelis, Palestinians, Israelis, Arabs, Israelis, Muslims, you can imagine which side Christian Zionists are going to be on. Through the years, Christian Zionist leaders did not only shower Israel with billions of dollars to bring Jews from around the world and settle them in the West Bank, but they also stood against U.S. presidents who were considering exerting pressure on Israel to stop building Jewish settlements in the West Bank. 
This story continues even as we talk today. Religious leaders such as the late Jerry Falwell, Pat Robertson, and John Hagee often threatened U.S. presidents to turn over 40 million American evangelicals against them if their administrations moved to pressure Israel to withdraw its troops from the West Bank. TV evangelist Pat Robertson was openly critical of President George W. Bush for supporting the Israeli pullout from the Gaza Strip. He considered the devastation of New Orleans by Hurricane Katrina as a direct punishment from God against the U.S. for pressuring Israel to withdraw from Gaza. This is Christian Zionism. When Ariel Sharon fell in coma, Robertson also publicly declared to his TV audiences that this was a direct punishment from God on Sharon for withdrawing Israelis from the Gaza Strip. Began openly preaching messages of hate against Muslims and Islam. I'm glad that Brother Andrew and Brother Colin Chapman are with us uh, today and they will be speaking to us and addressing these issues uh, in the next few days. But what I want to briefly say um, is that Christian evangelical leaders have contributed to a culture of hate against Muslims and Islam through their TV shows, radio and publication. Islam, in their opinion, has replaced communism and became the new enemy of God. One evangelical pastor told me not too long ago that Christians are destined to fight with Muslims until the second coming of Jesus. My Bible teaches me that Christians are called to love Muslims until the second coming of Jesus. Not only harm against Muslims, against Palestinian Christians, against Arabs, against the church in the Holy Land, but really what bother, bothers me the most as an evangelical Christian is that the harm of Christian Zionism on the church itself. What's Christian Zionism doing to the church? First of all, it's militarizing the church, making the church militant. Warmongers in government can count today on evangelicals to support their march to war. Just say war. And the first supporters, unfortunately, are what I call my people, the evangelicals. Second thing, cultivating a culture of hate against Muslims. I already spoke about this. You'll hear more about this. But, but within the evangelical church, there is now a cultivation of this culture of hate against Muslims, Arabs, Palestinians. And thirdly, promoting an anti-peace culture agenda. You know, last summer, my wife Brenda and I, we went around to about 70 different churches in the United States teaching and preaching. And you know, we always preach peace, 
the necessity of peace. But a lot of people after the church would say, why would you preach about peace? Didn't Jesus say that we are doomed to have war until you know, the end of times? There is a culture against peace that is prevailing in many evangelical uh, circles. Can we imagine what would be the condition of the church in the Middle East today had 40 to 60 million evangelicals in the United States been taught to be committed to the gospel of peace? Can you imagine the volume of death, destruction, and suffering that would have been avoided have evangelicals in the last few decades used their energies and zeal to stand with the gospel of peace? Can you imagine what would happen in the next five years if evangelicals heed the message of Christ and engage in bringing the blessings of the gospel of peace? to this troubled area of the world. I call on my evangelical brothers and sisters to take another look at the Bible and discover a theology regarding this land that is in harmony with the loving character of God as revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. I call on my church, the evangelical church, to be a peacemaker. Take my hand, a Palestinian, Take the hand of my Israeli neighbor and put them together. I call. I call on my church, the evangelical church, to take the hands of Muslims. Take them across the great divide and put them in the hands of Muslims. Just creating a culture of peace in our world. This is why we have this conference. This is why Christ at the checkpoint, theology in the service of peace and justice. May God bless you. Thank you so much. Thank you very much, Reverend Alex. And uh, now it's a time for questions. And we will have uh, two microphones on the sides. And just to know from now on, every session ends with a time for questions and uh, reflections. Please keep it short. So if you have questions during the lecture, just write it and wait uh, until the end. You'll see two of our students, Sally and Inez, who stand on the side to hand you the microphones. Uh, if you uh, raise your hand for a question. And uh, just to make a clarification about Reverend Alex's statement that he was the least popular student at Lee University, he wasn't quite unpopular. He had a big fan there. He met his wife there, I learned. Is that correct? <laughs> and uh, we are very grateful for Brenda. She is with us. She is always smiling. She is always encouraging. Welcome. So please, if you have questions, uh, just raise your hand and we will hand you uh, the microphone. Tanas? Yes, Tanas. And as you speak, please try to stay, uh, don't stay near the speakers as they will feedback, so try to stay uh, a little bit to the back. It's working? It's working, yeah, it's working. Reverend Alex, thank you very much for your
talk. My question is, why do you think in the United States that many pulpits don't preach what you just talked about today? Even though there's a lot of awareness what's going on, people are much more educated about the subject, but still nobody there to bring it up as much in the churches in the United States. Well, this is, uh, yeah, okay, sure. this is not, can you hear me? Yeah. Can yeah. you hear me now? Yeah. Yeah. I, I can't stand up there. It's all right. Okay. Well, this is this is not a popular uh, message in many. No, no, no. They can't hear you. Okay. Let me... uh, this this message, what I said today, it's it's not a popular message in many evangelical uh, circles in the United States and in some evangelical circles around the world, as, as I have illustrated. But I'll, I will give you one uh, illustration that may answer, uh, Tanas, your question. I went to a church and I spoke, and uh, most of the people were very excited. They were very pleased with what I said. You know, they, it, it was very good evening except for few people who were really uh, what I would call Christian Zionists, and they wanted to make racket. They wanted to fight back. They, they, they were really irritated. Okay, the meeting finished, and then, uh, you know, two pastors came to me, took me on the side, and they said, thank you, thank you, thank you. You have said to our congregation what we couldn't say to them. You can say it and get out, <laughs> but we cannot. <laughs> but we, 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 we believe like you do, but we cannot share that with our people. If we do, we will be in hot water. This is what they told me. So there is intimidation, there is fear uh, about sharing this kind of message in some evangelical uh, circles, and I'm not say, saying this only Baptist churches or Pentecostal churches. You try to pass a resolution to support peace and justice in the Middle East, in uh, United Methodist conferences, in Presbyterian conferences, in Lutheran conferences, in uh, Christchurch conferences, whatever. There is also stiff resistance in all of these places. Maybe not as much as you know, in the uh, free evangelical churches. But I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to say, the intimidation, maybe from the next door rabbi or from someone uh, in the community or the position, uh, it, it really uh, horrifies some of the pastors and the people. Yes. Thank you. All right. We have more questions. Yes, please. Uh, yes, all right. Yeah, one here. Okay, we'll take you after we take a judgment in front. Yes. Uh, I just want to ask about the uh, Christian Zions. Uh, you said that uh, in, uh, sometimes they uh, act, they are more fanatic, more than Jews, Jews themselves. More than Israelis. Uh, yeah, uh, than Israelis. Uh, can you tell us about the, the basis of this attitude towards uh, Islam, 
and uh, Christians here in the, uh, in the Holy Land, how come they, they uh, adopted this uh, attitude uh, uh -huh. as, uh, as they do? Okay, well, I, all the time in my speech, I was trying to avoid to do that because we have really good theologians uh, who will be addressing why uh, we got to this place in the evangelical movement. There are some excellent speakers. I'm not going to step on their territory, but I would say, come tomorrow, after tomorrow, and after tomorrow, and you will get it. All right? All right, come on. <laughs> yes. All right. Yes, please. Thank you very much for your talk. <clears throat> I was going to ask a very similar question, but um, I'll change it slightly um, in, in yes. light of that response. Um, you talked a lot about how um, it's largely within evangelical churches that this theology has emerged. Um, if you don't want to say why you think it's been attractive to evangelicals, could you elaborate more on what you take evangelicalism or evangelicals to be? Yeah. Uh, oh, this is a harder question than the other one. <laughs> I mean, this is such a wide, but usually what, what evangelicals people think of themselves, what we think of ourselves, are people who take the Bible, both the Old Testament and New Testament, literally as God's inspired word. And uh, uh, we believe that it is God's word for us today, and that is the word of God that leads us into knowing Jesus Christ as our Lord and as our Savior. Through the message of the gospel, we can come to God and we can receive his great salvation. This is just short about evangelical Christianity. If you want more, register at Bethlehem Bible College. <laughs> And then Thank you again, Dr. Awad, for your presentation. A quick question. Somewhere way back, I heard that actually Christian Zionism started even before the Balfour Declaration in the, in, in the uh, societies in Britain. Uh, is that true? Could you expand on that a little bit so we get a, yes. a, a bit of yes. a history of that? Thank you. Yes, Christian Zionism have roots uh, in England, even before the creation of the state of uh, Israel, and even before uh, Zionism as a movement in Europe uh, started. Um, here again, uh, you know, I don't want to get into the uh, lectures of other teachers, but we have the Schofield Bible that was widespread in the United States. It, in its reference, the Schofield Bible promoted um, dispensationalism, premillennialism, hard words to explain, and also uh, it, it led to Christian uh, Zionism. Also, we have people like uh, John Darby, um, da, uh, also Spurgeon and, and others who gradually encouraged uh, these teachings of Christian Zionism. They believed they should take the Bible very literally, interpret every verse literally, 
And that literal interpretation caused them to believe that there should be a Jewish state in Palestine at the end of time, where the Jews will rebuild their temple and resume offering um, uh, animal sacrifices. Just like we look back at the animal sacrifices and we today say Jesus died on the cross for us, they would look at the animal sacrifices also to commemorate the death of Jesus Christ. That is what some Christian Zionists believe. Okay, we will take uh, the lady there and then we'll come back to Steve Mubarak and then you, sir. Good evening. Good evening. Pastor Awad, uh, I'm from the United States, but I, I am a Christian who is an evangelical but not a fundamentalist. There, uh, within the context of the United States, churches uh, that are more on the fundamentalist view are, are dispensationalist, but there is a um, different kind of theology called the Reformed theology, which looks at classic Christianity in a different way, not the same as this dispensationalism. Yes. And, um, and, and a lot of evangelicals would not, do not agree with dispensationalism in the yes, United States. Yes. So I guess it depends if you go to a more fundamentalist church in the United States, it will be dispensationalist. Yeah. But then if, it go, if, but if a church is more on the reformed or the covenant theology, it's yeah. not, it would Support. Uh, you know, actually, we are very much aware of the situation of the church in the United States because we visit a lot there. I think most of the people, where we go, whether it is a, a Methodist, Presbyterian, Lutheran, a Baptist, whatever, most of the people accept our message. I'm not talking about that, that generally speaking, Christians in the United States are dispensationalists or uh, pro-Zionist. Uh, what I'm saying, there is uh, almost everywhere you go, you find some pockets of strong, uh, very strong Christian Zionism. So I'm, I would say, because I know of the Methodist Church, I would say, you know, the Methodist Church for the last few years have been having studies of Palestine and the Arab-Israeli conflict in order to help the people try to have a balance in their understanding. Uh, so I, yes, I agree with you. Not all Methodists, not all uh, Christians would be classified as Christian Zionists. Yeah, I, I, would, I would repeat that within the context of the United States, theologically, the fundamentalist section would be dispensationalist in, in their view. And so it would be Christian Zionist in yeah. perspective. But then the other theology that, for example, Fuller Seminary yeah. holds on is not dispensationalism. Regardless of what you call it, dispensationalism, Christian Zionism, premillennialism, the big question, are our theology promoting the things on the heart of God? Are they promoting peace and justice on earth? This is, this is what 
We need to ask ourselves, and we need to ask our denominations. Okay, we need to move on. Uh, okay, Mubarak and then Steve. He switched. That scares me when my brother asks a question. <laughs> if, uh, if you know about the consequences and how the Christian Zionism is and the evangelical concept, why you are still be an evangelical? All right. Why would I be an evangelical if, if all of this stuff in the evangelical church? Well, there is a, an American saying, you don't throw the baby with its bath water. I am proud to be an evangelical Christian. I am so thankful for the contribution of evangelical Christianity to my life. I wouldn't be the person that I am without evangelical Christianity. But at the same time, I see wrong things in the church that I love. I see wrong things. I, you know, it's like seeing something wrong with my brother. No. <laughs> <laughs> You know, I, uh, you know, uh, let, let's make it easier. If it's like me finding something wrong with my son, it, it would hurt me. It would hurt me. But, but I would not want to disown my son because there is something wrong with him. And you don't want to disown your church, your denomination, because you find something wrong with your church or with your denomination. And if we are honest to ourselves, Probably most of us will see something in our denominations we don't like. Okay, next. Go ahead. Yeah. Uh, can you hear me? Thank you very much, um, Alex, for the talk. I was really impressed. I, I wanted to actually follow on from what the speakers are saying about this because I'm not an evangelical. Um, I've been an evangelical in the past, and I'm not saying I've got anything against, but. I'm from the Anglican Church in the UK, and um, my big concern is, is, not, is not with evangelicals, because I'm not an evangelical. So I understand the problem, and I think it's a terrible problem, of Christian Zionism, and it's a, it's a real, really evil problem. Um, but even without evangelicalism, and even without Christian Zionism, or even without its pernicious roots that don't call themselves Christian Zionism, I find it difficult to um, get my own church to speak out on this issue. And they're not doing it because they, well, all right, evangelicalism is strong in every church, and strong in the Anglican church. But I wouldn't want this all to be about evangelicalism. Because for me, the reality is that <clears throat> all of us Christians can forget that our salvation isn't for ourselves. We, we, if, when we try to save ourselves, then we start to go down these roads that make us hate other people. Whereas it's about love, and that's what you're saying, that we need to come back to that. So I'm, 
I certainly agree with you. And uh, we, we, we definitely, we need to have the courage, evangelicals or non-evangelicals, to take the gospel of peace everywhere we go. And after that, we will uh, conclude with the last question from uh, Dr. Uh, Burge. We need to keep uh, with the time, and we'll try to keep with the time from the first day, so we're scheduled to finish in seven minutes. Basim, and then Dr. Burge. Pastor Alex, um, how do you describe the Christian message to the indigenous people? And how do you think it should be developed on the shadow of Christian Zionism? Say the last statement one more time, the last thing you said, how? How should it be developed, developed. in the shadow developed. of Christian Zionism? All right, uh, so the, the, how should the, you know, we as Palestinian Christians respond, react to Christian Zionism locally? Is that what I understood? Okay, well, I, uh, the, the good thing about this, we are doing it right here, right now. You know, Bethlehem Bible College is an evangelical and yes, interdenominational Bible college. But by conducting this conference, by giving it such a name, by uh, inviting all these wonderful speakers and by you coming here, we as evangelical Palestinian Christians and the Christians in the Holy Land, we are saying we have a different message. Please come and listen to us. And, and I think we as uh, local Christians, uh, we can uh, brainstorm more about this. We need to find out how this message that can come out from this conference can go all over the world. You know, that, that yes, Palestinian Christianity have a message. It's a message for us, uh, first of all, to love everybody in this land, to love our Jewish neighbors, to love our Muslim neighbors, to love people from different denominations, bring a unity into the body of Christ, because all of this concept of peace, justice, and reconciliation have to do with everything we are and everything we talk about. So I hope that, uh, yes, it will also energize us, this conference, to be peacemakers uh, here in Palestine and all over the world. Thank, Thank you. you for the question. Dr. Birch, and then we conclude. Alex, I have a, a theory that um, I've, I've wondered about. One of the questions on the table, Alex, is why has uh, the Christian Zionist narrative caught the imagination of the evangelical church? Um, I live and work at ground zero for evangelicalism. Um, here's what I've been thinking about lately. I come from a culture that loves movies. I love Avatar. I love The Hurt Locker. Christian Zionism creates a narrative that's wonderful. It's fiction, but it's wonderful. In other words, it is, it is a story that has drama. It's about, it's about a, a, a people that had been nearly vanquished, which come back alive again. And, and it's a land that was empty and full of cactus and Bedouin here and there. And it creates an amazing narrative, you know? We need a counter-narrative that can capture, I think, the imagination of the church. And in some ways, we haven't done that. But the Christian Zionists have. 
and they have beat us at that game called Avatar. Yes, yes, yes. And Dr. Birch will be speaking in our conference, and there is so much you can learn. Please don't miss a session. It is wonderful. But it is true. You know, Zionist Christians have at least 100 radio and TV stations in the United States that are promoting their propaganda. How many stations are doing the other side? Unfortunately, none. Yes, your comment is really good. Thank you very much. Well, let us thank uh, Reverend Alex again for uh, his wonderful talk.